Dear Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to come to you, to be able to be together with fellow believers and be able to worship your holy name. What amazing grace is shown to us. And we love and praise you and give you all the honor and all the glory. It is all yours. And may we just worship. And as your word penetrates our heart today, may you do all the work. May you break down walls. May you continue to lead us where we need to be led. We love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are one of the young ones, you are dismissed, and you can go to the back and go to class. No, John, they are not doing the puppet show, so you have to stay. And... Today, uh, we're going to be talking, and we're going to be in Genesis 19, and we're going to be talking a lot about spirit versus flesh, and uh, God versus worldly, and we're going to be talking a lot about family. And when you talk about family, family is a, is a, a u- unique dynamic because, you know, you hear about uh, this, this God who is a good, good father, but when we deal with humans, we realize that not all fathers are good. And so we have to have this proper mindset of, first, before we enter this, who is a God that truly loves and a good, good Father that loves you? And so if you feel convicted today, if you are sharpened today, I want you to know that it's not coming from me. It's coming from the Holy Spirit, and God is correcting. It's so interesting. We want to walk uh, alongside God, but then all of a sudden we get corrected and we're like, oh, that hurt. I was there many times. Yes, I was very good at basketball. I didn't have many flaws, but once in a while, coaches did say I did things wrong. And at those moments, I had an opportunity to get better or I had an opportunity to dig in and say, no, my way is the best. I was, I was joking. I, I needed a lot of help. So I I love the game, but at some point there's this correction, right? And sometimes when God does some correcting or God does some convicting, we don't like it because we are humans and we like the way we do things and we like the way we operate and it could change us. And and I'm telling you right now, I want God to change. And too many times we've let other pastors or we've let other people try to change us. No, we need to let the word of God convict us. We need to not, our favorite person should not be a pastor. Our favorite person should be Jesus. Our favorite person, like if you're a sports guy, yeah, I like Michael Jordan. I, that's, that's great. Okay, but like, do I know him? No. Like, it's like just because you know something, you don't have an intimate relationship with them. But what is so unique about Jesus, you can. You can. And that's what we're going to be diving into today a little bit. Right before Genesis 19, though, there's a a pretty important story. You know, this is right happening in 18. This is when Abraham hangs with, with the Lord, and then all of a sudden they see Sodom, and there's this, this little bit of a talk of how many righteous people will it take to save Sodom. Now, so many people are like, well, did God not know how many? No, no. This is, no, God knows who's down there, why he's doing what he's doing. This is a great illustration of the grace and mercy of God. This is shown because, what is, where does Abraham start with? If there's 50, okay. Then it goes to 40, 
It goes to 30. And God is having this dialogue and this conversation. How many times has God offered you grace when you don't deserve any? Right? Like we've been in it. We're like, oh, what did God? No, God has continued to be gracious and loving. And that is the father that we serve. And so you need to know that entering into the story that God is like, okay, if it's 10, if it's 10. And this is like a great movie scene. It's like the black credits then come up, and then this is what happens. Like this is where the black fades into the next scene. And all of a sudden you see this at Genesis 19.1. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gateway of the city. So I just want you to know real quick, sitting at the gateway of the city, he was probably part of the system a little bit. He had some say. This is where usually the bigger dogs hung out. So he's probably got some influence. It might, we don't know how much. We don't, I'm not, he's not in charge of the city, but he's, he's partaking in it. Now when he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to his ground. I think this line gets passed up. When he saw them, he recognized them. So these angels, this is not the first, like he knew there was something different. Either he had recognized them, seen them before, because we have to remember he has been with Abraham and he probably saw them before. And what's he do? He bows down. I'm, if a new stranger's walking in, I'm just not bowing down to him. Like he's got to recognize what's sort of happening here. And he says this, my lords, he said, please turn aside from your servant's house. Servant's house. In Genesis 12 and, and back, uh, he, he was in a tent just on the outside of Sodom. And then he's getting close. Now he's got a house in Sodom. That's a great reminder of how, where he was and where he is now. He's now got a house there. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they, were, they answered. We will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate it. Now, this is a good reminder. Without yeast, this is a quicker meal. Without yeast, they can make it faster. Compare that to Abraham and Genesis 18, if you want to, uh, he, makes a, he makes a meal for them. He, he gathers more. It's the finest flour. It's all this. He's, it, there's, you can already see the differences between an Abraham and a Lot. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind them and said, No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Recognize he still knows what's right and wrong. Like he's been part of the city, he's got it, but he knows this is a wicked thing. Lot's still got this right and wrong kind of process. But if you notice, he is sort of putting himself in a bad situation. Because what's he do next? says, look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do what you like to them. What a horrid thing that has now happened, that, that this father has now offered, because he's protected these angels, but he's put himself in this horrible situation that he's compounded it by making another horrid situation. 
There was no trust in God. There was no trust in there. He was trying to fix the situation himself. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. This fellow came here as a foreigner, and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moving forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here, because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. There's, a, there's an outcry in Sodom. And I, I thought it was really put well in Sunday school that, that this was maybe some believers, but even the outcry of non-believers, of the, they were just going to rape these new men. There, do you think that that was the only time that had happened here? That there's an outcry, that there's justice and something, and they're calling out. There's this outcry. So Lot went out, and he spoke to his sons-in-law, who were pledged to marry his daughters. And he said, hurry and get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, the angel urged Lot, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, and you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city. For the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they were brought out or brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, my lords, please, your servant has found favor in your eyes. Oh, they just are being saved. And all of a sudden, Lot is asking for a different outcome. We talked about this last week. When fear comes in, that leads for us wanting to take over. When fear enters the equation, we then really struggle to actually put it on God's feet. Fear, so what's he's happened? He's going to be asking to go to another smaller city, not to where God wants him to go, not where the angels tell him to go. He wants to partake and he wants to lead. So they grant that. We'll continue. Uh, it was very well, I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. I love that. An angel knows his place, right? He's not, can't do anything until what has been committed to God is done. Until you get there, I can't do anything, but it's coming and you need to hurry. I, I love that, that he knows who's in charge. Not him, it's God. So they flee. By the time Lot reached Zorah, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the city and also the vegetation in the land. 
But, life's, but Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, towards all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land, like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the city of the plains, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe and overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Lot and his two daughters left Zorah and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zorah. He and his two daughters lived in a cave, and then one day the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man around here to give us children. As is the custom all over the earth, let's get our father to drink wine and then sleep with him and per preserve our family line through our father. That night they got their father to drink wine, and their older daughter went in and slept with him. He was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. The next day, the older daughter said to the younger, Last night I slept with the father. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight, and you go in and sleep with him, and we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father to drink wine that night also, and the younger daughter went in and slept with him. Again, he was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. Father, The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites and of today. The younger daughter also had a son, and she married and named him Ben-Amin. He is the father of the Ammonites of today. That is a massive story. A lot going on, but I want us to get what's going on versus a godly lifestyle and a worldly lifestyle. Uh, there are many stories that happen today. You've seen, uh, you could uh, watch, I used to watch back on the, like uh, VH1 back in the day, the rise and fall of certain celebrities or the rise and fall, but there's been the rise and falls of many families. There's, there's the, have you ever heard of the Orkin Pest family? The, the control, they, they go around, they're around the world today, they, they do pest control. They're made, in 2019, they made over $2 billion dollars. $2 billion, and, and Gary became the CEO. He was part of the family members. But then the four sons sued him because they didn't get the proper amount of money. And then all of a sudden, Gary's wife of 43 years decided to get a divorce. And now basically the whole thing crumbled. Money doesn't guarantee anything. You could have $2 billion in one year. It does not guarantee. The things of the world do not guarantee anything, and it can crumble. Just as this story is, there's stories today of families crumbling. But if we look at Lot's issue, we're going to be talking about the struggles of families and individuals deal with. So point number one, a man drawn to the world. Lot was drawn to the world. We need godly men, not worldly men today. We have the opportunity to be a godly example of what men are to be. In a time where people have lost, are, are as lost as any time in history, God-fearing men can stand out and can be shown different than the rest of the world. We need men that pray, that invest in their time with God, that read the scripture, that are bold for their faith, and that are bold for their family. Men that are protectors and providers. Men that are godly examples. 
And that doesn't mean it's going to look the same for everyone, but there are many examples throughout from Daniel to David to Joseph, all throughout Scripture. And the problem is, is what I just read has become unique today. We are losing that today. And we cannot lose that. We need men that follow God alone. Now, you take Lot for example. Lot was a man that walked with Abraham. What kind of opportunities and access did he have that many others don't? Have you ever seen people waste their opportunities? No? Okay. No, just joking. Like, you see people like, that is right in front of you. Why are you not doing that? I had, I had someone that was literally got their whole college paid for throughout the, uh, their four years. It's one, like in a million kind of scholarship. But they decided, no, nah, I'm not going to take it because I want to do a different path. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, this is a rare opportunity. And we see it all the times. And many times that people miss those opportunities because it messes with our plans, or their plans. And, and I just tell you, no, that is one of the reasons why we do D-groups, is that to make it consistent, that the word gets inside of you. It's to make sure that we're reading. You know that it takes 66 days to, for something that is a habit to become a natural movement. That is just become natural. And that's why we, we do that, because we want to be so natural in the Word that, that it's continuing to connect us. That, and the problem is, is when we miss those opportunities, we become astray, and then all of a sudden we get farther and farther away. We look back, just unlike, unlike Lot, Abraham had time with God. And you look at the differences between Genesis 18 and Genesis 19. Abraham was a nomad. And he would send up his tent to spend time with God, whereas Lot chose his own path. And he looked for the city where security and excitement, new things were, and where things were happening. But we also know through Scripture that this place is evil. It is broken. It is not right. And if you remember, Abraham had already saved Lot one time. He saved him, took the 300 men, saved him, and then all of a sudden now Lot is back in the same position that he has. Have you ever seen anyone repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again? It clearly can't be you, but it's other people. It's, it's funny. It's, uh, you see that all the time. We'll take uh, smoking cigarettes. It's all the time. People will be like, oh, I'm going to give it up, and I'm going to give it up. And then all of a sudden, you see them three months later, and they're like right back at it. Well, you know. And we see that. But we see that stuff in our lives, too. It's like, oh, I'm going to work on anger. And then two days later, you're flicking someone off the, because they cut you off. Because anger is still there. And we, we say it, but we see these, these patterns where people continue to fall into it. And the problem in today, in Western culture, and I'm going to say it, is the lack of godly men. The buck stops there. Those who will lead well and those that do not waste the opportunity that God has set before them. Lot had brought his home close to Sodom. And when you bring your host our home close to Sodom, are to evil, there's going to be consequences. Now, many of you have heard this illustration. 
and I was really going to get a burner here and like start a fire and boil some water. And, and I was like, oh, I've got to find a pot. Well, I was like, oh, I'm sure there's a pot at the church. I didn't know it was the first pot made in history <laughs> of all time. I went down there, I was like, man, Abraham Lincoln cooked on this sucker. So, my goodness. So whatever we eat for lunch today, it's all natural. So, so the, the story goes, there, you know, we, we've all heard the story. If there was water in here and it was boiling and you grabbed a frog and you put the frog over here, the frog's going to try to jump out. It's like, no, I do not want that. That is hot. I know what that is. But the trick is, oh, and this is where Satan's so good. But if it's normal water... A frog's going to love being in there. It's going to like being in there because it's going to jump in there and it's like, oh, I got some water. And then all of a sudden, the heat starts turning up. The heat starts turning up. And men, the, the, the standard that I'm going to say, you need to know when the heat's start turning up in your family. You need to start knowing you are the protector, you are the provider, you are the one that needs to know, hey, the heat it's not at the right place. We need to do something. And I don't know what that is, but that is a challenge to us men today. And when the water starts boiling, that is danger. And the problem is, is Lot put his family in that. Now, here's the thing, though, and I love how Wearsby explains this. He says it like this. Lot's home wasn't worldly because they were in Sodom. No, Sodom was in them. We have to remember, we live in a fallen world. There are many days where I want to move to Montana and not deal with anything. I wish it was Florida because I like the sun, but there's a lot of people there. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, this is not a runaway from situation. This is not like, oh, I'm going to just keep in void and stop. No, we have lost people that are out there that doesn't mean that we can't be there. The problem is, is Sodom got into them. The evil got into them. And we knew, and we see this through Lot's story, we knew he's in the wrong place. Because when the angels are in the street, right, the angels are in the street, what does he do? He tells them, get out of the street, you can stay here. Because he knows what's going to happen. He knows these men. He knows what's going to happen next. And the verbiage here of the men wanting to have sex with them is grotesque. This is beyond rape. This is like gruesome. This is depravity. And you know what the saddest thing is? When they were blinded, it did not stop them. There was no repentance. There was no sorrow. They were still seeking after depravity. There's still depravity. It is grotesque. The angels literally, then next, had to pull Lot and say, let's get out of here. We got, so you think about how bad that situation, how, how hot the fire is, and Lot's now being grabbed by the angels and having to be pulled out of and saying, well, let's go. And they're reluctant. The question I have for you is there's something that deeply held in your heart that you haven't let go of yet? As a man, is there something that is still grabbed a hold? And, and men, what are those things? Is it pride? Is it porn? Is it 
drinking? What, what is it that has still grabbed that heart? Now, I get it. We're all fallen. We will all fail. But what is this, this pull? He's reluctant to get away from this. And men, we cannot be reluctant. We have to run towards Christ. We have to run towards God. But God, even through this heart, this is where I want us to remember the God we serve. God is a graceful God. God is a merciful God, and he still pulls them along. He still saves Lot, and he brings him out. Now, you also have to remember, I've always found the number 10 really weird. Because this falls on Lot to me. So if you have Lot, you have Lot's wife. You have two daughters, and you have two sons-in-law. And some say that the two daughters that were already married could have been another two. So that's six to eight people. How close to ten are you? That's really, like, there's no one else. It's Lot's family. And Lot, did he witness? Did he, did he bring anything? Did the, if he could have been an influence to his family to have six and eight right there in his own family. So I am telling you this, man, your family matters. Your investment in your family matters. Your time with your family matters. That's what God has put you in charge of. And so I want you, I know it's sometimes like, it seems like, hey, we're just going to keep on hitting you. No, you have a privilege and you have an opportunity to change the world. And I want you to, to accept that and grab that and navigate that. And I want God to be judging and pushing your heart where you are leading, where you are leading well. And if you haven't been leading well, repent and move forward. That is all right to go to the Father, repent and go forward. Men, we are not to love things of this world. We are not to see God as interrupting our plans, but to be men that pursue godly truth. Godly works, godly justice, godly hope, and to be godly leaders wherever we are called to be. And unlike Lot, let us be ones that learn from our mistakes and walk with others to pursue God and to pursue God ourselves. The main thing that I think men have fallen into is we love to tell other people how to live, but I will tell you, you are a true leader when you lead it, live it yourself. Live it yourself. Don't tell people how to lead. It's one thing, too. It's like I could tell people how to play basketball, but when people see me play ball or play the game and show them, they're like, oh, yeah, he can't play. I'm, I'm going to trust him more. It's a lot different than if I go 0 for 15 out there at the three-point line because people want to see it. People want to be it. And, men, you have that opportunity. And, men, let's not be confused. Because when we are confused and not of clear mind, and when, women can be confused as well. That leads to point number two, the worldly woman. We're talking about Lot's wife here. Lot's wife's name is not known, it's not, it's not said at this moment, but she is brought up a few times in Scripture, and we're going to talk about this. But what is Lot's wife known for? Yeah. Looking back, turning, seeing the, seeing, uh, the city, and pff, she turns to salt. It, it says this about Sodom, the place that Lot's wife looked back at longingly. Uh, in Ezekiel, it says this. Ezekiel 16, 49 through 50. 
Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them as you have seen. A lot of people have just viewed Sodom for their sexual sin. And let's be clear, we just talked about it. Yes, that is a huge part about it. But and to be honest, do we not see that in America today? The depravity, the, the Sodom is not like something that is like just shockingly different. It's, it's the sexualization of the world today has been continuing to grow and grow. But God also says there's more than that. There's the, the detestable things, the haughty things, the arrogant things, the overlooking of the poor and needy. And Lot's wife longed for those things. The pride of life, what the world had to offer. And to let you know, what the world has to offer can destroy you. Ladies, I'm going to ask you, what are you chasing after? Is it godly or is it worldly? It only took a look for Lot's wife. Wearsby gives another great example here. He says this, the eyes see what the heart wants. The eyes see what the heart wants. What's another story of someone seeing something, taking it, because it's what they desired? The apple. Saw the apple. This is what is so beautiful about the Bible. There's all these hyperlinks that go back. It's Adam and Eve. And then it, you go, uh, all of a sudden, then what did Sarah want? Sarai want? She wanted a baby. So she gave away, because it's what... Our, our continual fall. And so Lot's wife turns back and looks at what she wants. She wants that life. She desires that life. And man, I'm sorry I've got to throw you back in here. I thought You thought I was done with you. But each time, Adam could have said no to Eve. This is, this is the difference. Adam could have said no to Eve. Abraham could have said no to Sarah. And Lot could have led his wife away from the boiling water. And men, when we don't lead well, there is confusion in the family. And I'm not taking away accountability from you ladies at all. When men and women are not singularly focused on Jesus, we become obsessed worldly. Ladies, I'm going to ask you, where are you worldly at? Is it with status? Is it with your wants? Is it with safety? Is it with money? Is it with your Amazon cart? Is it with the likes on Facebook or Instagram? And I'm not saying that you can't buy stuff from Amazon. I'm not saying that you can't post a picture. But what are your desires? What are your wants? I'm going to do a little side note. Women, if you are of dating age, date a man that is pursuing God. And men, if you are trying to find a woman, find a woman that is not looking at the world. It's women, we, we must continue to pursue things of righteousness, things of God's worth and value. And many of us can see that many of these attributes overlap for men and women, but I want you to know God has also made men and women differently. Five years ago, I wouldn't have had to say that. But today, men are different than women. And God uses them differently. 
but we are to pursue righteousness. So Lot's wife, if we see this story, had this worldly heart and she had eyes for the world. And I'll, 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 I'll tell you this, when there is confusion from the man and when there is confusion from the woman, that gets to point number three, worldly children. This is dangerous because you see what Lot's daughters and the sons-in-law, because men, when Lot goes to the sons-in-law and he says, we need to get out of here, they laugh at him. They don't believe him because he has not had authority or has put in any work in beforehand. Parents, I am sorry if you are tired. I am sorry if you are drowned out. I'm sorry if you're like, I can't do enough. I am telling you, no, you've got to invest in your kids now if you want to have any joys later. Now, they will get to choose their own destiny. They do. They get their own choice. But I'm telling you, put in the work now. Lot did not put in the work with the son-in-laws. He had welcomed the world. So why would the world be any different when Lot said, hey, you have to trust me now. Make sure that you have invested in those and know what your foundation is so when they see when the trouble comes, what your foundation is in. As we see through all this, there this sinful stuff and twisted stuff is going to happen with Lot's daughters. What is so unique is it becomes almost full circle. What was Lot going to do? Give them away. He's giving them away. And then what happens is they do to him basically what was going to happen, just in a weird, reverse, sick, twisted way. But when you live in a worldly culture where that's okay, where you live in this kind of stuff, they, they didn't trust in God. They didn't trust in his Providence. They, they trusted in what their eyes told them, their desires, and they're saying, this is how we have to do it. And so what ends up happening? Drinking? Rape? All this happens from the children. And then two nations that will forever mess with Israel are born. You know what's interesting is, I've always thought back, when, when could have this been fixed? When could have Lot not gone that way? When could have Lot known the water's boiling? But the problem is, is many of us have, are somewhere in that pot, and there's a heat going on right now that you have to deal with. I don't know what that is. That's what's great about God working. What, where's he working at in your life? Because when we let things of the world into our lives, families are destroyed. And our lives are confused and lost. We as believers are not to look back to the world. I'm married. And if, when I got married, if I was continuing to text my ex, how do you think my wife would have enjoyed that? She would have almost been like, turned to Saul, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. Like, I'm done. We do that to Jesus all the time. It's like, yeah. 
God's saying, don't turn back. And, then, and all of a sudden, we're just like, yeah, yeah, but I sort of like this, so I'm going to turn back. And that's the thing is we can see ourselves a lot. A lot of us are like, yeah, I'm like Abraham. No, we're a lot like Lot. We're a lot like Lot. Or we might be like Lot's wife. Like we're, we're longing for these things, and we've got to realize that God has given us an example here to be, no, be righteous. Pursue me. Pursue godly things. I want to wrap up with this, with Luke 17, verses 22 through 35. Jesus is talking here. He says this, then he said to the disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes the, and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, being given away in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planning and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together, one will be taken and the other left. So do you know how to be living for Jesus? Or how to be living worldly? A good question I'm going to ask you as we wrap up to, to apply to your life of when the fire comes or when the boiling water is, is hot, just like in Sodom, what in your life will burn up and what would be preserved? What in your life would burn up and what would be preserved? I will tell you, towns will burn, but a heavenly home will not. Houses will burn but heavenly children will not. Companies fail, but spiritual businesses that serve Jesus will last forever. I'm telling you, what you invest in matters. Are you investing in things of the world or are you investing in what God has called us to do? We are battling a spiritual war between Jesus and things of this world. We are not to be worldly men and we are not to be worldly women and we are not to be worldly children. We are to be obedient and live for Christ and Christ alone. I would tell you, don't look back. Don't you dare look back. Let us pray. There any Father, I thank you for this time together that we get to, to worship you. And I pray right now that if there's conviction on the heart, if there's joy in the heart or whatever, you have laid on different people. I pray that we do not just push it aside, 
and deal with it later. I pray that we deal with it right now. If, if it's a man in the house that needs to, to repent to his wife or his kids, may he do that. Or if it's, if it's a man that says, I need to lead this way, may he take those steps. If it's a woman in here, or if it, and there's things in the world that have grabbed her, just like it has the man, but if it's there, I pray that she pushes those things aside and, and throws them and doesn't look back and runs to you. After, after the things that you want us to pursue, things that last, that will not burn up, that will not go to waste. And I pray over our children today of what this generation has to go through. And I pray over the parents that, that are navigating this and dealing with this. And I, I pray that, that your will will be done and that we will trust in that will wherever it leads. And I pray for a hedge of protection over the children because I know the children that are studying right now, that are playing right now, that you love them so much and may their hearts and your hearts beat together. I thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together to worship your holy name. And we will glorify it forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you have a great week and a blessed day today. Thank you.